Hi, welcome to Project Geospatial. I'm Adam Simmons. And I'm Mason Rothman. And in this episode, we're going to start with a couple announcements, but then go over our primary topic, which is talking briefly about Landsat. Okay. Always love talking about Landsat and looking at it. <laughs> um, uh, so which, what do we got for announcements today, Mason? Well, so for yesterday, it's just a pretty big one. Salesforce, a um, very large CRM um, <clears throat> company, uh, selected Esri. Esri is their key geospatial partner. So this is kind of a natural fit in a way too, because Esri is such a large in size uh, company and it provides uh, so much um, in the intelligence uh, uh, mapping world. So it just kind of makes sense. And then Salesforce is the cloud computing services, a software company that specializes in uh, CRM and the customer relationship management stuff. So it makes sense the two uh, getting together and uh, wish them the best of luck. And um, and uh, and they're not a Salesforce is no small company by by any means. Mark Benioff alone is worth six point five billion. So they're, uh, they're good luck to Salesforce on uh, uh, integrating uh, this into your Salesforce map side of the house. Awesome. So Salesforce, what does that do for Esri? Well, for Esri, it's what's it going to do for Esri? Pay them. But well, uh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> what's it do for Salesforce integrating maps into? Uh, into their customer management tool. Well, okay, so they're connect. So they're so the whole point of their software is to connect with the customers. So if you can see where the customers are at, or where the customers are doing their business, or any any anything that you can help the customer with by providing them location data, you're providing more service, more value to them, and you're going to keep them as a customer or gain them as a customer as well if they weren't before. So this is just kind of a natural fit, and you can put uh, well mapping into almost anything, right? Absolutely. So, um, uh, you know, seeing their customers, you know, you just said customers on the map, mapping out the potential geographic landscape from a strategy point of mm -hmm. view for businesses, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and that's just a starting point. There's also so much more potential from even helping their, oh, sure. their, their customers, customers out, helping understand what their strategies can be from a business point of view. Oh, trickle down. Type yeah, absolutely. Sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. We, we should keep track of that and see uh, what, oh, the, what yeah, the use cases yeah. it was, are. It was kind of a surprise to me, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. So the next thing uh, we'll go quickly go over real quick is some of the activities going on with uh, the uh, uh, GeoInt Community Week. Uh, machine Learning Conference, uh, sorry, Machine Learning Workshop happened with GeoInt Community Week the last uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of this week. Uh, so that would be the... Uh, what was to the Tuesday and Wednesday yeah, <laughs> right. days, um, 19th and 20th of November. Uh, so machine learning workshop, they, it was basically a lot of government leadership coming together with industry to talk about the best practices and strategies moving forward with machine learning. Uh, and, and a couple other things happened. The YPG third Thursday, which had a, um, usually has a guest speaker. Uh, this week's guest speaker on Thursday happened to be, and I'm bringing it up as we speak, right? <laughs> so um, I am actually, sorry, it was a big YPG third Thursday because it happened in several different locations, St. Louis, Washington, DC, and Ann, Ann Arbor location uh, in Michigan and Melbourne location uh, in Florida. So it was a massive event. So I shouldn't just say that um, it uh, there there isn't a single guest speaker. There were several around the country associated with Geo and Community Week. So that's worth mentioning. YPG Third Thursday happens every month, on, of course, on the third Thursday. Worth going to if you're a young professional and interested in becoming a part of the industry, learning more about it, or want to network with um, uh, industry professionals uh, who have been in it for much much more long, long, long time. Sorry, so, you'd be a weirdo if you showed up and you were old. 
No, absolutely not. You, you, uh, <laughs> it would help. You're actually helping younger folks learn more about the opportunities. That and, is true. And if you're looking to inspire new talents uh, coming in, that's a good way to do it. We've worked with the YPG so many times over the years. Great group and really, really, really great. I think uh, younger folks interested in the geospatial community. Yeah, the last thing I'll mention for USGF is the GeoInt uh, Gala is uh, is actually uh, tomorrow. That's uh, November twenty third. You can still register. Uh, tickets range from one hundred and seventy five dollars all the way up to uh, three hundred and twenty five. The youngest, uh, the younger professionals group gets that really cheap one hundred and seventy five dollar ticket. Uh, where if you're a non-member uh, and you want an industry ticket, that's $325. Worth going, once again, to meet industry professionals. It's a black tie event, so really formal. Uh, and but, do you know anybody going, Adam? Uh, yes, I, I am going to that. So what? If, uh, if you listen to the show, feel free to say hi. Yes. We always like hearing feedback that yes. uh, we get listeners. Uh, but I'll be seeing what's up over at the GeoN Gala tomorrow, and that's going to be held at the uh, Reston Town Center. Uh, at the Hyatt there, yeah. Yeah. So – uh, for our main topic this episode, we wanted to talk about Landsat because uh, uh, there was an article that got released uh, related to Landsat. Um, stand by. So Landsat article. Uh, this was a couple weeks ago, actually. So the report values economic benefits of Landsat archive at $3.45 billion. That's not uh, So since 2008, Landsat actually has been made available been made payable to the public at no cost um and the department of interior was considering charging is considering charging per scene fee for the imagery so they decided to do an assessment and the report found that at 56 dollars per landsat scene only 50 percent of users would purchase the data uh when the price increased to 183 dollars per scene that number falls to 17 percent Per the report, much of the societal value of Landsat stems from the free and open data policy that allows users to access much of the imagery as necessary for analysis at no cost. So they also provide a graph at, uh, in terms of what people are willing to pay and what percentage of folks are probably willing to pay that cost. And uh, this would be a huge, huge impact to the community at large because Landsat has tremendous value across the board. It's provided worldwide. Um, uh, from a resolution standpoint, it does have some limitations. Uh, I want to say off the top of my head, it's 10 meter imagery, but for some reason it's, uh, it's coming. I think it could be 15 meter. I can't recall either. It's been so long. Uh, let's see. Okay. So, uh, I, I'm getting here at Landsat eight satellite payload is, uh, 30, 30 meters. Yeah. 115 meters and that different, different with the different modes, right? So 15 meters panchromatic. Yeah. 15 meters panchromatic. So, um, so if you're doing massive area change detection, this has huge benefits Without a doubt. and, and because it's large stacks of imagery freely available and you're doing, and maybe even you're, you're a developer or a data scientist, uh, who is trying to do uh, basic machine learning. Uh, and this is, you, you also has these stacks of imagery available, uh, with persistent or consistent revisit rates over single areas or, or specific areas. Uh, you can use Landsat imagery for that purpose. Uh, but once again, change detection for agriculture, um, uh, overviewing the development and growth of urban areas, um, even 
Uh, I mean, I, the list goes on and on, really, many, for Landsat. Yeah, I wonder how many kids or how many uh, you know kids in universities, et cetera, are using Landsat data for their well, projects. But but even even wildfires and humanitarian disasters, yeah, sure, it's, sure. it's it's uh, it's tremendously useful, and it's once again freely available, not just yeah. to folks who know how to use imagery, but anybody who can access it. Really, even consumers who are just trying to get involved with, hey, there's there's a there's imagery uh, I can access it, right? So. Um, I bet it's tons of nonprofits. To, to all of a sudden charge, you know, give me some perspective. If they even charged up to $183 per image and that was accessible and maybe 17% of folks were willing to buy it, that unfortunately puts a 15 meter resolution uh, at best image on par with, uh, almost on par with the commercial providers today who charge around three to five hundred dollars per image right now for uh you know anywhere between 0.3 and one meter imagery right and and that's and that's just archive costs regardless that's not too expensive uh for getting a full resolution uh i'm sorry for, for a high resolution image you know and and now you want to charge that much money for a uh uh, for a Landsat image that's 15 meter, that's that's pretty insane. But even even if you cut that cost in half to, to $80, for, that's still expensive for a 15 meter resolution image. But they said, I was surprised $56 that 50% of people would still would pay that. That's not bad. Man. I'm like, I, and this is where I would love to learn a little bit more about the study. You know, what demographic did they use? Who did they pull for that? You know? Um, yeah, how did course. they do that? And, you know, just kind of who, who would be willing to actually pay for Landsat imagery just because of it's been always freely available, you yeah. know, but you know, if the government turned it off, there'd be, a, they would be cutting off a huge community who, um, who uses it, even from an, the, the academic standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, it would be. It'd so be. I wanted to bring that up in discussion because it's a fascinating topic that's I don't come see up. It happening. Um, maybe the government, I mean, with the value, you have to understand that, They've put up a number of satellites in support of Landsat over the years, yeah. so it does cost the government money, and they're trying to evaluate. It's the, just it's so difficult to take something that's free and then make it pay. It's, you're right, and this it, I look at Landsat. This is one of those like debates. What's what? Who's this benefiting? At least this is uh, this is a government program benefiting everybody who can access it. You know, this isn't just benefiting the military or a specific government organization. This is bending everybody in their. It'd be interesting it. to read their mission statement. What is their? Is it to provide the government with blah blah blah? Or is it to say to the people? What does it say exactly? You know, that's I mean? that's a good question. That's yeah. worth some research. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, uh, that's that should be brought up. If you think Landsat uh, should be paid for, or if you have a comment or feedback on the topic, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, send us a message, and we would be interested yeah. in hearing your thoughts on the matter and uh, maybe even if you do think it's worth paying for why and how much are you willing to pay for a Landsat? Yeah. I, I like, I like it when the government opens up data sources like this though, and makes things free, uh, especially for machine learning, AI, et cetera. It helps you build models, et cetera. So I don't, I, I, I can see that there, there's, there's always money though at the end of the day. So I get it, but I understand they're trying to recoup some of the costs, but these are taxpayer dollars at the end of the day to charge yeah. taxpayers money for something that uh, they've built to support uh, the, the community is, right. is kind of conflicting. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I so, agree, yeah. 
uh, with that said, uh, feel free to listen to us on our uh, audio podcast now, available on and now we're now now we're not just available on Anchor.fm anymore or Spotify. We're available on uh, Google Podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, mm, that's right. and uh, something called Breaker, as well as Radio Public. So yeah. uh, hey, we're everywhere. So not just YouTube. <laughs> Watch us on a YouTube show, but listen to us on the road as you go. And uh, hopefully you hear something you like. Yeah. Once again, I'm Adam Simmons. And I'm Mason Rothman. We'll talk to you next time.